Welcome to the internet, live from the Marriott Library at the University of Utah. This is the Red Line Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Dunstan, and these are my co-hosts... Kyle Holland and... Alex Fielder. Today we have a guest. Um, so say hi, guest. Hi, guest! Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> you joke. put me up for that. This joke yeah. never gets old. Basically required. Curtis Herring, executive director of UTRU. Returning as Returning. our second time guest for the first time. Do I get a jacket or something? I like, like I know that SNL does like a five times <laughs> club. I mean, we are making shirts theoretically, so you'll get one of those. I'll take a shirt. <laughs> great, great. Um, yeah, so today it's just going to be uh, kind of a local update episode, is tentatively what I'm calling it. So there's a lot of interesting stuff going on on Utah transportation right now. Several. Several, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, Curtis reached out to us and said he wanted to talk about it. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, gondolas, a new KT Freeway, and <laughs> a BRT, all this after the news. After more than two decades of planning and development, the Central Subway has finally entered full-time service in San Francisco as of January 9th. The new subway section, which costs nearly $1.9 billion, will carry Muni or excuse me, will carry trains from Muni's T-Line and offer connections to the existing Market Street subway and the BART and Muni trains that run therein. Although it was expensive, running, you know, basically a billion dollars a mile, the Central Subway represents a substantial step forward for transit in San Francisco, and its opening is to be applauded even if they did have to use plastic cups to stop erosion. <laughs> Briefly. <laughs> so, I don't know. Did, did you guys see that on Twitter? About the plastic cups? No, I didn't. I, I have not. I did not either. No, no. that's too bad. It, it was pretty funny because they're just like these literal red solo cups in like the drainage holes in the wall. And it's like, huh, we sure spent $1.9 billion well here, didn't we? Yeah. Well, those aren't the cheap cups. We'll just be honest here. (laughs) Oh, good. As long as they're name brand. Yeah, name brand cups. Um, This has been the news. Okay. Hot Hot button issue time? Hot button issue time. So, as we discussed before the news break... Uh, today is the local update day. We're going to talk about all the weird crap that's been going on here in Utah. So, number one, and uh, obviously Alex's favorite, is uh, the Little Cottonwood Canyon Gondola Project. <laughs> oh, just the best. Which, oh. Because uh, UDOT, the Utah Department of Transportation, has decided that it is time to expand and improve and spend hundreds of millions of dollars on the canyon road that goes to two ski resorts. Hey, and a very small town. There's a small town at the end. And a very small town. Um, so what they would like to build is an 8.8-mile-long 8. gondola system, which will be the longest and most ambitious in the world <laughs> to go up the canyon to the ski resorts. I had trouble finding what is the current longest gondola in the world, but the longest I could find is a 3.1-mile span in Idaho, so... Hmm. This I, is I imagine break. it's France somewhere. It's probably yeah. France somewhere. Yeah, normally you use gondolas and aerial tramways and chairlifts and stuff over short distances of exceptionally difficult terrain, say, up a mountain. Mm-hmm. You don't usually <laughs> use them to go a long distance relatively flat. So this is a bit unusual. But... And here's the big thing that I think that you're forgetting. Gondola look pretty on photo. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Right. And, uh, yeah. 
And I I go ski ski and I want to see the gondola and know what's going on. Never mind the fact that it doesn't integrate into our current transportation system. At all. At all. <laughs> well, they'll run more buses, apparently, to the park and rides. Right. Exactly. This is one of the few <laughs> occasions where I will, f- with full throat, say we should probably just expand a road and have more bus lanes. I would say don't <laughs> expand the road and just run buses on the Well, if road. we could do that, that'd be great. But, I mean, the, the, the practical reality is, yes... You will need to have cars to get up and down the trip. There will be people that choose to drive. Well, yeah, but they're doing a tolling system anyways. So True. You should be able to limit quantities. Exactly, which Except. is great. But, but, the, the, I would be surprised. And by surprised, I mean not at all surprised. <laughs> that in, I would say, three years after the first gondola goes up, we will hear about a scandal where basically UDOT... Got some payoff money from... And I'm not saying it's that quite nefarious, but I bet there was definitely going to be some backroom deals between the ski the ski resorts that specifically wanted this thing. Oh, absolutely. But there's been no corruption in the Utah there's legislature There's never been ever. corruption. <laughs> oh, um, UTA, for its part, I'm surprised for the first time ever, doesn't want to expand roads and do what it needs to do there. Um, or oh. UDOT, excuse me. Um this, well, is, this is purely... They don't want to expand the canyon road. Right. We'll get to all the other bits that's, pieces. It'll be right, later. that's true. You got me there. You got me there. Um, but, it, I mean, that's... Honestly, I think that that's what this really boils down to is the gondola looks nice. We want Ski Utah to be everywhere. And what looks... I mean, you see all the photos of, like, tracks pulling up to mm-hmm. Temple Square, for example, or going down Scenic Man. This is the same idea pushing this. It's, of course, not a good system. It doesn't integrate into what UTA could offer if they actually did their ski service. Like the, yeah, you know, details. Um, <laughs> but it's just, on its face, a bad idea. It is not scalable. It is not, you cannot add stops. You can't subtract stops easily from a gondola station. All you can really do is extend the entire system using linear transfers. Mm-hmm. Because they're already planning on having a linear transfer to get to Alta from Snowbird. Right. You're and it's... Kidding. No. no. <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't be surprised, I think, and it's the pie-in-the-sky idea, but I'm sure that there are ideas to just have gondolas running between all of the resorts on both sides. I mean, it could be cool to extend it from Alta to Solitude and Brighton yeah. to Park City. I mean, that'd be cool, sure. But once- but is it the most practical? No, I think Front Runner to Park City or Front Runner to Kimball <laughs> Junction is where it's at. Hey, 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 hey. Let's, no, that's no, 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 not no, possible. Would, no. Oh, right. But, I mean, that's 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 ultimately the thing is that it, it doesn't integrate well with the current system at all. Yes, we have more bus routes to park and rides, but not actually going up the canyon and doing what it's supposed <laughs> to do. Um, and it's, it's just not scalable. Your bus gets full. Guess what? You get another bus. Your gondolas get full. You only have a limited amount that you can, I mean, I'm, really put on there at any given moment. Yeah, I'm actually quite impressed by how few gondolas this thing's supposed to do. It's supposed to be doing one every two minutes, which is I not would, that much. It's Well, you, and if you think about it, yeah, one every two minutes. I mean, I don't know the capacity. It's supposedly times. 35. 35. You can fit like 100 people on one of the new ski buses. Trust me, I've, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. Should you know, you should probably do like 50. But. Yeah, I mean, it's just... I, I really think that this is the the real push behind this is tourism and not practicality. Both tourism and UDOT's also like slipping something in their own back pocket with road expansions. 
because out of the $550 million sticker price of the Gondola Alternative B <laughs> project, guess how much of that is dedicated to road expansions, parking structure construction, snow sheds, and other car things? Boy, howdy, I'd say about 80%. Is that It's actually not. It's... It's only two hundred million out of the five hundred fifty million. <laughs> only two hundred <laughs> so, million dollars. So thirty-five percent. Yeah. So. Oh well, good on you. No, you know what? I'm going to take it all back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I have seen the errors of my ways. You dot, you do, you boo, and I, more I, parking, more, more roads, parking. Yes. more parking, more roads. It's build the snow sheds. Build the snow um, shed. Okay. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that stood out to me is just the amount of linear transfers they're planning to do because from the, I can't say this, Lakai? Lakai. Lakai base, and I should know this, I speak yeah. French, but the Lakai base, they're planning to run a shuttle from the main parking structure to the actual gondola. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you get on the gondola. And then you get, <laughs> on, the you get on the gondola. Then you go to Snowbird. Then you get, the snowbird, then you then you get, get out. Then you get another one, and you go, you like, that's like two transfers to go See, I don't get why they wouldn't just way. detach the gondola from the Snowbird leg and reattach it to the Alta leg's because hall cable. Because then if you have trouble unloading someone, you have to stop the entire thing. Now, didn't you guys do an episode on the great things of multimodal transish- or trans uh, transfers? Like, you guys were all about this a few episodes ago. We just like, it's it. great where we can have two lines come together, and if we can have another one come along, I think you guys are backtracking at this right point. Angle good. Right <laughs> angle good. Right angle good. Right angle good. Oh, okay. Even, even I like see, 25 I see, I diagonals see. are good, but okay. like, you don't want to do straight. You want to, if you're, if you're going one direction, you only have to go <laughs> One, one, dir- okay. one, one direction. Fine. So this is I like the. I thought I had a gotcha moment there. <laughs> yeah. This is like the battery light rail train from last week's news, where you take oh. your commuter train, then take a linear transfer to a battery-powered LRV, which runs in the commuter rail corridor to go an additional two miles. Septa. I mean, <laughs> you know what? Points for ingenuity. I guess no, that's what I'll say. No. On that one. You know no, what? I, I think that instead of doing the King of Prussia Norristown High Speed Rail extension, they should just take it there instead. <sighs> uh, no, I mean, ultimately, it's it's going to be a boondoggle. It's it's going to be. It's going to look nice on brochures. It's go and that is the point of it. Um, the ski resorts love this idea, which of is course, why they got because they can bring more people to the ski resort directly to their ski resort. Well, don't, right? they, don't they even have like an astroturfed advocacy organization? Like Gondola probably, or yeah, it's yep. something. Yeah. That's it. yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's it's. It, and frankly, I don't blame the ski resorts. I mean, that's that's their prerogative. They want to make money, and they want people just to barf out in front of their. I mean, um, in front of their lodge. In my opinion, I think the ski resorts should pitch in because if we're going to build a gondola to Snowbird and Alta in an ideal world, it would be constructed, owned, and operated by a ski resort coalition. Mm-hmm. And, and then, I wouldn't object to that nearly as much. Then UTA can yeah. run buses to the base. Yeah. UDOT can screw around with the roads, whatever. <laughs> Everybody's happy, except for UDOT the ski resorts that have to pay for it. But no, I, I absolutely agree. If the ski resorts truly want this thing, which they do, then it's they've got the money. $350 million. Yep. Alta's just putting in a brand new, like, six-seater lift up their, yeah. up their easiest hill. So I'm sure they could piece <laughs> together some spare pocket change for this. Yeah, I heard that the I think it's the town of Alta mm-hmm. is now issuing parking tickets that cost more than lift tickets. 
<laughs> so, well, because they're on oh, a parking crunch yeah. up there, because turns <laughs> yeah. out cars are probably about the literal single worst way to get a bunch of people along the same route to the same destination. Mm-hmm. All at the same time. Wait, yeah, yeah, all at the same time. Did not see this one okay. coming. <laughs> That's crazy. What's What's most interesting to me is that they're not even planning to make this thing like cheap. Like it's gonna be like twenty five, thirty bucks a pop. Well, I think they're going to try and completely cover all operating and maintenance costs, mm-hmm. which, which is not unreasonable. Is fine. That's fine. But, like... Compared to the $5 ski bus. Yeah. <laughs> what if they stop running the ski bus? Like, how are those of us who They probably are... will stop running the ski yeah. bus. Yeah. So Guess I'm what? just you expected get... to pony up $30 yep. to go up the hill now? I, no one ever said skiing was cheap. Well, it's already icon. expensive. <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm saying. Again, like, I blew an entire paycheck on my pass for this year. That's the thing, though. And, like, if you get your hand that's on a ski season pass, you don't want to be paying an extra 30-plus dollars no. per trip per on top trip. of that. But. Like, I'm already bringing a sandwich, so I don't have to pay to for the food. Taking the gondola. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, this is this is a Lexus sort of thing, a Lexus gondola that is designed to, so that the poles don't need, to, I don't yeah. need to mix with the poles. Of course, it's public transit for the rich. <laughs> yes, no, it's fine. We don't mind it then. It goes in the air. <laughs> it flies above them. I can I literally I just, have my nose above them. I think I'm just going <laughs> to stick the soul bright, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the reality. It's not a good project. Um, the amount of money being spent on road crap. Yeah. It's high. So my preferred alternative, obviously, is um, for UDOT to take the non-cowards route and replace the road with a cog train and do... Not build a separate cog train and do a crap ton of destruction. Just put it where the road is. Yeah. Oh, like, just straight up rip it the up. Swiss yes. are not, the Swiss are not cowards. They have all sorts of ski resorts and things that are only accessible True. by train. Right. So I don't see why we're being, you know, little babies and... And we gotta have a separate thing. And Cograil is an objectively technologically superior way of moving heavy equipment to the resort. And and frankly, just a whole hell of a lot safer, too. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's an interesting proposal. It won't happen, obviously. Obviously. (laughs) Um, You could also through run onto tracks with trains. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, yeah. Yeah, if you wanted to, I suppose you could run it all the way down to what is that, 72 ish? So. I think it'd be nice if you could run it up to the university. I guess you could run it up. And then you can take the university line to downtown. Why not both? Let's do both. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, we could run, run one way, run, run the other way. It'd be Uh, great. No, I mean, for all the hemming and hawing of UTA going to Switzerland years ago and trying to find superior rail systems that we could implement here, we sure haven't done a whole lot with that. Dude, all we need is. Do a REM. Do spot grade separations, mm-hmm. only where you need them, uh, and do automated train tunnels. controls. I mean, yeah, let's get some tunnels up here. We gotta have Let's get some tunnels up Kyle, in this. the trouble with replicating the REM here is that we'd have to have tunnels. Which apparently is a foreign technology to you, Doug. Well, the, the reason I say that is because, the, as we're discussing recently, the only thing in the United States, if you really want to quadruple or quintuple the cost of your rail project, you can put in a half-mile stretch of tunnel, mm-hmm. and you'll do it. <laughs> but, you know, we can't yeah. do grade separation. It's too expensive. It costs money. Oh, sorry, investing but capital in money is free. Capital money is kind of free. Yeah. To a degree, that's yeah. true. Especially <laughs> if you're building a but, but But if we're spending money on rails, we can't build roads. Mm. And roads are our lifeblood. There's no alternative. Before we, before we transition to our next topic, <laughs> oh, you know yeah. where I think we should build a gondola? Where should we build a gondola? Snow Basin Resort in Ogden. 
because if you look on the map yeah, here, it's, it's the, the road there, route, yeah. you got to take this big, long 15-mile mm-hmm. hook all the way around. I'm told it's pretty dangerous. It can be. I've driven or that road. you yeah. could put a gondola base station at Weber State, use their Ooh. existing parking, and go about three, what? three and a half miles straight up to Snow Basin. I could get on board with that. You go straight that to the top of the sense. mountain and ski down. <laughs> that makes sense. Literal game changer for transportation, not just, ooh, money. I could, okay, you also, know, I could sign up for that. less than half the length. Yeah, well, yeah. No transfers. No transfers. You can even take the OGX from a front runner. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Which is apparently so great. I mean, I'll, uh, yeah, I mean, so I, actually I can see that. That would be actually a very awesome idea. You should pitch that to Snow Basin, Kyle. I should pitch that Have to them Snow pay Basin. for it. I mean, we already know how yeah, much yeah. eight miles cost. So we'll <laughs> cut it in like... What's three divided by eight t- d- times? Anyways. But the point is, if a middle of nowhere resort in Idaho can afford a 3.1 mile gondola, then, you know. Let's th- make it happen. Weber State. Yeah. yeah. Classes in the those morning, students. skiing in the oh, afternoon. Those students they would, would be make the so much money off those students. That's what they pitch up here. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. How they <laughs> could, that's how they could attract, like, you know, international mm-hmm. student attention. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Weber State. It's a. Co- it's, oh, man. <laughs> Who's the who's the reps up there? I'm sure we can get some lawmakers onto that one. And <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that that's a much much better project. I would agree. Mm. Now we get to the uh, really speaking fun one. speaking <laughs> of spending transit money on road things. Let's talk about bus rapid transit. Mm. Which one? <laughs> are you wanting to talk about the Mid Valley Connector here or OGX? Because both of those are road widening projects mm-hmm. disguised as BRT. Let's start with OGX because that's the more well known one. Okay, I, I, I it's sure supposed wish to the be whole thing was dedicated lanes. And that would be nice. To say about it. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, starting from the Ogden Station, winding its way north, or excuse me, winding its way east, then south, then east, then south again, all the way up to Weber State. 1.5 miles of dedicated lanes at a total cost of $130 million, mm-hmm. putting the dedicated guideway per mile cost somewhere very high. Around $80 million a mile. Pretty impressive. What was it for uh, uh, UVX? Do you know that one off the top uh, of your UVX head? UVX was also about right up $180 there. million. Dollars but they had more dedicated lanes. miles. Right. Which almost fully dedicated lanes. I mean... So, so the practicality is that one. I mean, it was a similar urban landscape, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, similar road structure. Also, ri- well, no, did that no, that one does originate from a front runner station. Yeah, and it yeah. And ends at a front, and and a ends a front runner station. That's true. Uh, so very similar, and that very much more expensive for reasons that do baffle me to this point. I mean. <sighs> It's 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 uh, it, it was a road project hidden as a BRT project, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, Ogden's been hurting uh, as far as using traditional transportation. Their network is old. Their road network is old, and so um, it makes sense that they are trying to expand these networks. Harrison Boulevard, the the main kind of thoroughfare up by uh, Weber State, uh, that road is constantly packed, um, and so yes. Although it is great that we are trying to address a rapid transit system up there, I, I always I always have very mixed feelings about BRTs. Um, but at the same time, if the BRT is just a way to mask more induced demand that will inevitably come from this, then it is a bad project. And I, I do think that that is what this is going to be. If the BRT were to 
have the audacity to continue south, run along towards, say, uh, Hill Air Force, Air Force Base and connect into Layton, then you might actually have something. Crazy. And if the BRT actually connected with the Ogden Regional Airport, then I would start to believe that this actually was a transit project designed to get people off the road and, and make it more uh, accessible to others. That is not what we're dealing with. See? Yes, there's a lot of people that... Uh, I am sure take the train to go up to Weber State uh, in order to um, study or work or whatever, and that's great. This hopefully will help them. But so much more could have been done if we just were being honest about what this project was supposed to be. See, because at least Provo has the airport connection, and they've got the dual train running stations. uh, This is juicy news from UTA from an insider, Uh i.e. me. Temp want t- Temp Tempanogos operating unit. That's the people who operate the buses in Utah County. Uh, are considering rerouting the East Bay Loop, which is like the weird southern mm. half extension of the UVX, uh-huh. yeah, to the airport. Because, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because it's a whole ton of commercial service in the near future. Yeah. And so. you want to have a service to go to the places. And no offense to the wonderful bus 833, but it's not. It's a not the same. Bus. Yeah. No, it's not the same. And. I mean, having those regional connections are important for, shocker, the economy of those areas, right? <laughs> Transit can drive economies. No, only car make o- economy go big. Okay, more parking car- equals more economy. No, but car, but car stay. Car take up space. Me put business where car could be. Business money. This is a crazy concept. <laughs> you should pitch I know, I know. <laughs> These are revolutionary ideas that have always existed. Um, but no, I mean, that's the thing is is, is we talk about these BRT programs and, and the expansion either uh, Mid-Valley, we can talk about Ogden, we can talk about what's going up in Park City too, uh, basically connecting Kimball Junction with uh, Park City. Um, and, and all of these projects have never started off with, hey, let's improve transit. All of these projects have started off with, there's too much traffic, we want to expand the road. And then someone raises their hand and says, Hey, we can get federal government money if we brand it as a BRT project. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so, and, and it doesn't hurt that the Biden administration has, has, has put out this massive spending bill, um, which, you know, I support. I think it's a good idea to expand transit. However, oh. however... Departments of Transportation up to and including the Utah Department of Transportation know how to work the system to make that happen. They've been doing it about their entire existence. And now they have an extra pot of money that they can take advantage of. I wow. mean, they even, to a somewhat lesser extent, were able to do this with the original several tracks lines. Because mm-hmm. if you look at 4th South in Salt Lake City <laughs> today, that is a UDOT surface highway that just happens mm-hmm. to have a tracks line running down the middle mm-hmm. of it. And, y- and you can see the scars of road widening and the curb-tight sidewalks. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Oh. No, it's terrible. But, I mean, this, is, this, is, this has been... I, I really hate that we call them the Utah Department of Transportation because we really should be calling them the Utah Department of Roads. <laughs> At least they're being honest when they're doing that. I think it used to be called something like that or with highways, but they changed it. Yeah, no, exactly. Cool and hip. It's like how it used to be called the Department of War instead of the <laughs> Department of Defense. Which is effectively <laughs> way cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the Department of War. But it's, a, it's the same idea, right? Is UDOT knows how to fit, finagle, as well as the 49 other states, know how to finagle the system to, to tell the Department of Trans- the Federal Department of Transportation, oh yeah, we've got this great mass transit project that also requires us to expand this road that we've wanted to expand for 15 years. <laughs> and and uh. so they get their rubber stamp and they do what they do. And suddenly we have these huge cost overruns, which 
if you look at it as a roads project that happens to have a BRT, eh, it's it's kind of par for the course as far right, as cost right away expansion yeah. has unknowns. Yeah, and so I mean that's. <sighs> Again, I don't want to inherently say that a BRT system is bad. Yes, there are better alternatives. Yes. So I can't just outright say, but this is how they placate people like me, and I know that. (laughs) (laughs) And now our listeners know that. The thing thing about OGX that really irks me the most is that the taxpayer, i.e. us, Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. paying a lot more for a lot less. Like... Mm-hmm. As much as I like to rag on UVX, yada, 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 it should have been a tracks line, yada, 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 this, that, it's as slow as the S line, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It's a good system. It gets a lot of ridership. It's mostly dedicated lanes mm-hmm. outside of the some very poorly designed sections. It's quite fast. Mm-hmm. It's a good system. But OGX is not that. It's not mostly dedicated. It's mostly just a bus with fancy stops. It's, it's just an out and back, it, for, like you yeah. said, from Ogden to Weber State. Yeah. And that just frustrates me because we know how to, I mean, I would prefer a rail line. Yeah. But if we're going to be building BRT, we know how to build a good one. Mm-hmm. We've built a good one. And then we just chose not to. Heck, mm-hmm. we know how to plan a bloody regular bus route. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's and that's ultimately the problem, right, is that these projects with all of their costs and all of their price tags only make transit less palatable to the average person, which is unfair to to the process, right? And I and speaking of road expansion to sort of move us on yes. to the next topic. <laughs> um, UDOT wants to widen I-15 in Davis and Salt Lake County. From Salt Lake to Farmington. Mm-hmm. From Salt Lake to Farmington. Because uh, the, the, just one more lane, bro. One more lane, bro. Well, in this case, it would be... One, two, three, four, five, six more lanes, which well, obviously of, is different. But two of them go foop, 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 and yeah, they swap. Yeah, two of them. It's pretty cool. Right. They go swoop, oh, swoop, swoop. Yeah, we've solved, we've solved traffic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's one of those? Yeah. They like the do, flex lane? They want to do yeah. a suicide lane. Oh, hate, oh. Yeah. Oh. Basically, it's going to be an express lane from Farmington to Salt Lake. It'll barf oh. you out on, like, 4 South is the idea, <sighs> or it, at least initially. Yeah. But it's like you are just on that corridor, and you are just slaloming all the way down. Yeah. Don't <laughs> hope everything goes well for you. Because if someone crashes, you can't get off. Like it's an oil tanker just... <laughs> well, this <laughs> always happens with freeways. If someone crashes, you can't get off. Like, if... The train. Somebody well, crashes is, into the train. You can just walk off, and they'll is, get you on this a bus. Is more, like but even extra like can't two get off. Access points yeah. between Farmington yeah. and Salt Lake City. This sounds exceptionally safe. And, yeah. yeah. So if they there is a change direction. Yeah. Too. See, that's smart. halfway. Uh, they're just like, is the system clear? Probably. No, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure there's systems in place, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unlikely. Unbloody I'm likely. And no one is going to screw up on that either and no. accidentally get on the road the Never. wrong way. Um, well, yeah. in, in, so, my, so. in my professional opinion, before we get on to the widening, I think between the Spaghetti Bowl, where I-80 and the 21st mm-hmm. South Expressway meet I-15, and, I don't know, somewhere up by, um, up north where they, like, join up 215 and 15, mm-hmm. we should just blow up I-15. If I you mean, want to go north-south, 
you can take I-15 over to 215, yeah. back over to I-15. Hop on over. Or it is a very small detour, and they've got big, fancy interchanges. You well, and, and, and I mean, it's I know you guys have talked about ripping up freeways <laughs> in previous episodes. Recently. And, <laughs> yeah, not terribly long ago. And it's, it is becoming a trend, and it's becoming a trend for a reason, right? Not in Utah, apparently. Not in Utah. No, yeah, I mean, we're obviously, gonna, we're, we're going the opposite direction. We're building new freeways here. Um, and, and as you guys pointed out in that episode, like, really, at most, you should have a total of six lanes of, of highway. At most. At most. In order to move some people around and goods around. But, uh, I mean, the, the devastation to our urban core that I-15 has had. I grew up in Rose, <laughs> well, I grew up in Rose Park. Yeah. Um, I was yeah, born oh, in so Rose, you get the short end of the stick. Yeah. I, I, I mean, literally, since I was born there, and I lived there, you know, until I became an adult... But the simple fact of the reality is that if you live on the west side of the freeway, there is a very real uh, uh, physical difference between those two there communities. There is a literal concrete wall. There is a wall. literal physical wall. And, and also there, the occasional steel one when Union yeah, Pacific's doing yard moves. That's true. <laughs> um, but the, more importantly, there's a very psychological wall there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the pores. It is the pools on the other side. Ooh. Oh no! So we drive up on the freeway. We, we look down upon the pools. Move them off to the side. We might give them a sound barrier if we're nice. Don't go to the west side. But get mugged. yeah, no. But I mean, <laughs> if we were, and it, it, and obviously when we talk about initial freeway construction, like back in the fifties and sixties, it was very intentional. Yeah. That happened. I can I can see the all the like boxed out parts that yeah. are on the west side. You can absolutely see it, and it's absolutely true. So I would love to rip that up. Um, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, quite the opposite, as you point out. UDOT is going the opposite direction, starting at four south. Yeah. All the way up to Farmington, the the Highway 89 interchange. So what they want to do, they have they put two options on the table, and there's no, you know, no do nothing and just. Let it, well, they, let it's it UDOT. The they never do the no-build alternative. Uh, <laughs> That's just because they have to. Right. Uh, so option A is 226 feet wide with a total of 14 lanes. Uh, this is the one that will just have, like, regular HOV lanes. They're so their options are... Lanes now because high occupancy traffic yeah. sounds oh. better. It yeah. sounds cool. It's definitely not a backronym. Why isn't this a busway in the middle? Because. Because reasons. Um, Aren't the two options just flip-flop or no flip-flop? Uh, basically. basically. And, but I, you know, if we're going to build one, I kind of want to see the flip-flop. Because <laughs> some people have a massive... I want to see a break. <laughs> it is not going to go well. Have you met Utah drivers? Have you met any drivers? Um, yeah, All drivers are not drivers. drivers. And so, the... These are the two options they've given. Uh, unfortunately, impacts on businesses and homes surrounding the project are not yet known. Kaboom! But no idea! I can, pew, pew, I can tell Kaboom. you that folks living nearby are concerned. There have been a couple of... Other house might get deleted. ...about it so far, which I was unfortunately able to make it to. I definitely would have gone because... Mm-hmm. Fun fact, I live next to several freeways as well, mm. and their traffic will be amplified by system mm-hmm. effect, and I Great. get to breathe that in. Mm-hmm. Um, Kaboom. But I know a lot of people are concerned. I mean, there was even a, a Trib article about it of, you know, West Side residents expressing mm-hmm. their concerns. And the the reason they're doing this is allegedly... To fix traffic? in 2050, <laughs> they think that there's going to be a certain amount of traffic and... 
They want to try that and outbuild that ahead yeah. of time. Yeah, no. So if I think it says it gets down to thirty miles an hour during peak or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, I would simply take the train. Yeah, if seventy nine. Yeah, no. So if well, and that's <laughs> but that's but that's the thing, right? So I'm, I stand corrected. If we don't do anything, according to UDOT, by twenty fifty, uh, it'll be twenty miles an hour during peak times. Um, as opposed to the existing 60 miles an hour, which I question, but okay. Yeah, yeah, I really I've been on that, that, but okay, fine. <laughs> um, and then uh, 60 miles an hour. Um, oh, what is that? That's uh, the northbound. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry, northbound versus southbound peak times, right? And so that's the argument that they're using: is we must maintain 60 miles an hour. Well, this is the classic level of service-based planning, mm-hmm. where in order to keep the cars moving as fast as you want and not having too many twos mm-hmm. close together because then they start playing bumper cars. Right. You make the road more bigger and more wider and mm-hmm. more of them to you try and outbuild yeah. instead of decreasing the amount of cars mm-hmm. such that they can free flow and not play bumper cars. 20 minutes during AM peak? My, they're saying that currently it takes 20 minutes to drive from Farmington to 4th South during AM peak. No, I, it does not. I have driven here it takes me like it takes me fifteen from Bountiful to to four south. Easy. Twenty-five minutes during like off peak yeah. periods when I'm driving back from Boise, like <laughs> two days after. You get to watch all the traffic on Front Runner right. too. So I I question I, their I question their numbers too, but more specifically the point. You're absolutely right. Like this is absolutely a build out option as opposed to an alternatives option, and obviously we know what the alternative is. Say it with me. Double, Double track, track front runner. Front, yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's and, and it's not going to solve everything. It's not going to get every car off the road. So here's a novel concept. Let's continue to expand transit so that people have a choice. That's really the problem here. Is people do not have a choice. Take a data like today. Terrible snowstorm. Um, mm-hmm. The roads were not great, uh, and, and but people were forced to drive today. And a small number of them, like myself, who specifically choose chose a place to live based on transit access mm-hmm. and also this dumbass housing market, <laughs> had the pleasure of just screwing around on tracks all day. Exactly. But I mean, we don't have enough system for everybody to enjoy that. My travel was not affected today. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, though, is fundamentally we are preventing choice in transit when we continue to expand I-15 and other roads in the state of Utah because we are locking communities in to forcing them to have cars to get around because we all know that cycle. Well, we have to have a car to get around, so we have to expand the road. Well, now I need to have a car to get around, so we have to expand. And it just goes ad nauseum. And, and we are fundamentally depriving people of the choice of transit, on especially on days like today, where taking front runner, taking tracks may not be an option for a lot of people, practically speaking. Um, And in my mind, that's not fair. That is not fair to deny the citizens of the state of Utah funds for transit when we are, we deny those funds, but we're more than happy to continue expanding roads and locking people in. Let's talk about the Farmington Front Runner Station. Have you ever been to that one oh, yes. or looked at the map? Oh, I know that one well. Yeah, um, Farmington Front Runner Station is half a mile from the famed Lagoon Amusement mm-hmm. Park. Straight line, but there are several large concrete walls in the way, so you could either spend half the day walking there mm-hmm. or take the oh, no, no, no. UCA shuttle You bus. actually cannot walk over. You can't walk north, but you can go around south. You can go south all the way down and up and around. That's true. Weird underpass. Yeah, like we tried to miles. walk over the north Yeah, yeah we did try that. Don't the sidewalk that. just good, ended yeah, in the just middle. Stops. There wasn't even like a sign earlier nope. to warn us off. Hey, by the way, there's no sidewalk. Have fun in the, in the gutter. Yeah, so, we should have we gone through the interchange just for... 
Giggles. <laughs> and then you have one less host, and that's just the way it is. Yeah. Well, uh, well, yes. Weren't you pitching the gondola to Lagoon? Oh, the roller coaster <laughs> Lagoon. Like, run it over the freeway. There we go. That's a way to encourage ridership. There we go. And it's a cog Obviously, system. Yeah. It's a cog system to get cog it going. Train. There yeah. we go. Yep, like yep. It. No, I mean, yeah, the front runner. But I, th- I think this is, aside from just, like, the amount of service and travel times available mm-hmm. in front runner, this is a great example of no choice in that UDOT has physically built concrete walls mm-hmm. in your way to prevent you from having a choice, even if you are going to go out of your way to, like, I don't know, buy an e-bike mm-hmm. and ride front runner, even though it takes too long mm-hmm. and do this and do that and do this. Yeah. The the citizens of Farmington, in this case, are, are effectively prevented from practical access to transit. Um, I mean, yes, there is a park and ride there uh, uh, of uh, What's the point? But yeah, exactly. What is the point? If I'm I, already going to get in my car, I'm already going to get in my car. Drive all the way there. Yeah. Um, and, and again, that's 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 my one of my big frustrations with this I-15 expansion. Uh, U-True is actually starting to work with other organizations to see if we can't start to build a coalition to address these concerns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um because they are legitimate concerns. Um, from our standpoint, yes, it is transit. From others, it's housing advocacy. From others, it's the environment. Mm. Um, I mean, just the amount of asthma that people <laughs> living in the sort of neighborhoods that will be affected by this are already getting is significant. I don't want them to be getting more asthma yeah. than that. Well, yeah. you can't get asthma if UDOT blows up your house and you have to move somewhere else. Gotcha there. <laughs> yeah, just Check mate. Move, so. to, move to Springville because yeah. that's the last affordable place in, in the Washington uh. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing, is is when UDOT is more... And, and we don't even know how much this project is going to cost. That's, that's say, a... They, they say, say 1.6 billion. That's what they're saying. And even if we take that at face value, okay, fine. You are more than willing to drop $1.6 billion on this project. It's approximately 18 miles of roadway. Okay, you want to do that. Why is that okay? But spending a billion dollars on transit? Could you imagine... What a billion dollars, $1.6 billion on transit expansion. You could double track and electrify the entire existing front runner state. You could do that. You could run. Slightly short, maybe. You could run one from Tooele to Park City or at least get a good chunk of it. You need some extra money for that. You you could get a good chunk of that done. Yeah, yeah. Um, We could phase it in. I don't care. Um, But What, what I said on Twitter the other day was. For the cost of one parentheses number one close parentheses uh, UDOT freeway extension, we could do the Rio Grande plan, fourth west tracks, mm-hmm. and build a whole new blue line for, and still have some change left over. Yeah, need a change for a bus up to Logan. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Yeah. Like yeah. UDOT is <laughs> not actually substantially improving anything about the freeway because it'll just fill up. Yeah, but these transit changes are like literal game changers mm-hmm. in terms of surface service, speed, frequency, quality, and coverage. Absolutely. And we always love, and one of the sneaky things that this kind of does is it makes us think of just $1.6 billion. When in actuality, it's $1.6 billion for this project. $1.6 billion four, this year. Yeah. It's $4 billion for what happened in Utah County. It was, I want to say, $900 million for uh, uh, Highway 89 mm, through Davis County. Um, Tracks line up Highway 89. Blue line extension. We should have done that. We should have done that. But, next but, two, sorry. But that's the thing is, is UDOT gets this almost pass of like, well, there's this project for this money and this project for this money. And mentally, we separate that. But when we say... What if we had took that, even half of that money, over the past 10 years and, and invested that in transit? And spent it on even, like, 
exclusively electric trains, neglecting the more (laughs) cost-effective methods like building a BRT without Mm -hmm. doing a road expansion, Mm -hmm. for example, which is, I think, illegal or something. It seems like it should be. It feels (laughs) like it should be. Well, yeah. And the funny thing that you mention, um, a tracks line up Highway 89, (laughs) that was actually supposed to be a part of the original tracks Mm -hmm. system, and it just... It was supposed to run all the way through Davis County, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was... Which would have been brilliant. It would have been great. I would have loved it. It would have made your life a lot easier, I assume. (laughs) It would, absolutely. (laughs) But, I mean, that's the thing, is all of these projects, the freeways expansions, the the BRTs, or or the roadway construction projects hidden as BRTs, (laughs) all of these things... are basically hidden costs that, that most people are just okay with. They're like, oh, okay, well, $1.6 billion, whatever. But but that's one of the things that U-True really does want to focus on, is changing that conversation and talking about the fact that we are denying Utahns a choice in getting around. What pains me is that all of, all of this UDOT capital money is just like a small scoop in the bucket compared mm-hmm. to the tens of billions of dollars of private investment in mm-hmm. cars in the state of Utah. Oh, absolutely. Every year, tens of billions absolutely. of dollars. Yeah. I mean, Which we can completely ignore, apparently. Apparently we can. Um, and yeah, cars cars are expensive. Yeah. But it's freedom. I mean, trains are expensive too, but you can fit like a 500 people on one. Yeah, and, but it's freedom. It's not that we want to get rid of cars. We want to make it so that you, have, you don't need a car. If you still want one, get one. Options. But give people options. That's what people deserve is the options of getting around. On a cruddy day like today when the weather is awful, yeah, front runner service goes up. More people get on. I see it myself every day. Um, well, every day that there's a cruddy snow day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and imagine if we gave more people more options. Less, less cars on the freeway, less of a chance to them slamming into the side of the road, less of a chance that an ambulance has to get called, less of a chance that a cop has to get called, and if ambulance does get called, then it won't get clogged uh, up yeah. on like four south, which doesn't even have a shoulder. Yeah, and it's it's it it just makes sense once you start thinking about it. Yeah, give Utahns a choice, not just more roads. So speaking of choices, service cuts. Gover- oh, mm. we're moving on to something else first, Kyle. Oh, what did Governor Cox Governor do? Caillou? <laughs> <that what>? Sorry, <laughs> Governor <sorry>. Cox. <laughs> our wonderful supreme leader of the state of Utah mm-hmm. um, has proposed that we do a free fair year because we've done free fair February that mm-hmm. was paid for by okay, okay. the city of Salt Lake mm-hmm. City and Wasatch Front Development Council and Agency. random Wasatch private Front Regional businesses. Council, yes. yes, and businesses that have a lot of money kind of tied up in bus passes and transit passes. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so. He wants to give UTH $24.5 million for Free Fair 2024. Will that actually cover it for a year? No. How much more do we need? Uh, six, seven million. Oh, that's not too bad. It's a start. Is there Fairbox coverage only so like 10%? So, it's Free Fair uh, August. Free Fair 2024. <laughs> no, I know, but what I'm saying is, oh, as it stands oh, right now, Free Fair August. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um, so... I know that my thoughts on free fare have changed lately, as I've discussed with Kyle, but I do want to know sort of U-True's position on this. And that is a fair question. So <laughs> uh, I, didn't even mean, I didn't even mean to do that. Boom. I hate myself for that one. <laughs> as a general statement, um, as a general statement, U-True's stance is that we want uh, transit to be affordable. 
Um, that's one of our tenants. Well, good, good politician. It is a good politician. No, but I mean, it's it's we our goal is that we make transportation and transit affordable to the riders and for the system. This obviously is a way to make it affordable to the average rider. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I would say it is currently. I would as well. They've um, got tons of low income discounts. Yeah, Even if you're paying full price, it's only like a grand a year. No, no, it's true. Um, as a general statement, we support the idea of free fare uh, as an option. That being said, and there's always a that being said, we need to keep in mind that the system is underfunded, first of all. And that really we need to focus on making sure that we get service levels up to a level that people want to ride and are able to. Um, That's a funny concept. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, though, we're talking not even just pre-pandemic levels, but better than that. Improving the system. Improving the system. I thought ridership just grew on trees and walked onto the bus. I mean, you know, (laughs) we all hope it does, but unfortunately, no. I mean, it does when you build five over ones at your train stations, but apparently we're not even doing that (laughs) anymore. Oh, God. But with that in mind, UTA has, at its very base level, it has a driver shortage right now, right? It cannot even get the routes it needs, or it can't even get people to drive the buses on routes that it used to have. This isn't, oh, we've looked at the numbers and it's better to run this route this way, or we've looked at the numbers, this isn't an effective route. It is, these are good routes, but we have literally no one to drive them. And therefore, we have to either cut service entirely or reduce service from 13, or 15 to 30, 30 to 60, whatever. And so... You asked me the question, what is your true stance? We're not going to say no. It's, we, we will say yes, but let's also talk about the real issues that are affecting the system. We need money. System. We need money to actually fund the system, not only to where it was pre-pandemic, not only so that we can actually have bus drivers uh, and, and train conductors and, and, and the, the, the maintenance people in order to handle that and the train hosts... <laughs> Um, <laughs> not only do we need that, but we need the money that people, the system will function. And the, because yeah. and the more fair money we can get that stacks on top of like our fixed sales tax money. Right. Well, and, and frankly, you know, it's, it's time to have a legitimate discussion about the, the current funding system of the counties that use the system pay in through tax dollars from the sales tax is not adequate. The state of Utah, as I said before, is more than happy to throw money at expanding a road in southern Utah that <laughs> maybe 20 people will use in a day. They're more than happy to do that. But for some reason, they have a mental block when we say, hey, can we give... Operations funding to UTA? Long-term, yeah, long-term day-to-day operations. I wouldn't just say UTA. I would say all the systems That's in the state true. of Utah. I, can we pay off UTA's old capital? The reason, the reason well. I say UTA is because, first of all, it's... Well, it's the big kahuna. 99% of the ridership in Utah. (laughs) It's the big kahuna. But, so... And second of all, Connor would like to see more UTA throughout the rest of the state. Of course. I am of the opinion that we should... um, Integrate and in the after the model of New Jersey reunification, (laughs) reunification. Um, Anyway, no, 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 that's fine. But it's 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 this idea that, uh, and I think I said this on the show the last time I was here. Legislatures love red ribbon cutting things. Yeah, they do not love day to day operations. That is boring. That is I not mean, sexy. If they want to cut a ribbon, cut the ribbon on running five extra trains an hour through down, central let downtown. Em, let them. They can if they want. They yeah. can if yeah. they want to. But they could drive a train through a ribbon for all I can. <laughs> hey, yeah, I go for that's that. like I like cool. that. That's a good idea. Yeah. 
but so so when when Governor Cox proposes this idea of free transit, um, like I said, UTA is not or UTRU is not going to say no. But we need to make sure that that isn't the end of the conversation. We need to make sure that that is the start of the conversation. And we want people to use the system. And if if free fare is a way to achieve that, great, fantastic. But coupled with that is the discussion of it could be better. We can do more. We're obviously, if we're willing to do free fare, we're obviously willing to have a conversation about transit funding in the state of Utah as a statewide funding source, not local counties that happen to use it as a statewide system. A citizen in St. George is going to be paying for free fare in Salt Lake. And we have no problem with that when it's a road. And if Governor Cox goes through, is able to go through with this plan, obviously it's the governor's budget, it's not the legislature, so he doesn't actually have a say in it. Right. But he is starting the conversation. And so if we can start the conversation of getting people in St. George used to paying for Salt Lake City Transit, just as Salt Lake City has been used to paying for St. George expansion and road projects, <laughs> then we can start to talk about actually funding UTA um, and the other systems based off, I'll say, based off of proportion, transportation, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the actuaries can figure out the numbers on that. But if we can actually have this conversation going, if we can actually talk about transit as that public good that I was talking about before, I say go for it. Let's start the conversation. Okay. And so continuing on to um, what you were saying about starting the conversation, we're actually having something of a... Uh, a I, I don't want to say it, but a crisis mm -hmm. at UTA at the moment. So Salt Lake Business Unit, which operates, I believe, Meadowbrook and Central Garages, which are the two you know, bus garages that mm -hmm. run all the bus routes in Salt Lake County and uh, is short 80 drivers. And the situation's even worse up in, uh, in the Ogden Business mm -hmm. Unit, which drives the Weber County and a lot of the Davis County mm -hmm. buses as well. Um, and this has resulted in cuts. So this this change day, which was just a couple days ago, mm -hmm. or today's Tuesday, right? Today's Tuesday. Yeah, two days ago. Two at days the time ago. of recording. Actually, at the time of recording, ago. two days ago. Uh, so, yeah, cha this this most recent change day, we've had uh, service temporarily suspended on the 650, the 901, the 953. We have service reductions on the 39, the 201, the 218, the 455, the 470, the 603, the 612, the 625, the 640, the 645, the 972 <laughs> and the 994. I missed that. Could you do it again? Please? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Ogden got completely shafted. But oh, as, yeah. Ogden as you can screwed. see from all those uh -huh. six numbers, Weber County ain't doing so no, great at the moment. it's not. Um, <sighs> and yeah, you are, to call it a crisis almost is an understatement. Um, so I, I had the opportunity to speak with the, the head of the uh, transit, the driver's union. For ATU, yeah. ATU, yes. Uh, I had the opportunity to speak with him the other day, and um, great conversation, but one of the biggest things is that, and one of the biggest frustrations is, is they saw this coming. Understandable. Um, pretty predictable. We've pretty seen the rest of the economy. Yeah. <laughs> they saw this coming, and they saw this even before the pandemic. Yeah, makes and sense. And then, of course, the pandemic hit, and so they kind of got a reprieve on that because everything kind of slowed down. Yeah, yeah. And But now it's catching up with us. Um and not knowing the specifics, it is it is one of those issues where um, UTA, for whatever reason, has failed to address one of its fundamental needs. Which is drivers. Which is drivers, because if you don't have a driver, <laughs> guess what? You don't have a bus route, as demonstrated by all of those numbers you just rambled off. 
Um, and I, I can get into specifics because your mother, I, I'm not, you have I am, as is well known to um, friends of the podcast, an employee at UTA. And so I have, you know, side, first of all, an inside look. And second of all, the people I work with uh, on a daily basis when I go to work are very daily and presently cognizant of the issues that are causing issues with maintaining bus drivers. The podcast bone is connected to the grapevine bone. <laughs> yes, the grapevine bone. Um, and, you know, a lot of people want to say, like, it's pay, yada, yada, yada. And that is, of course, an element. And ATU and UTA are actually actively working mm-hmm. in contract negotiations they right are. now, working on getting a pay raise, hopefully, maybe up to $24 starting pay, and et cetera, et cetera, which would be great. But... The real issue with why we have trouble keeping operators is something called the extra board. Now, if you're not familiar with the extra board, be thankful because <laughs> it is brutal. Um, generally, for the first one to five years of, of a new bus operator's span at UTA, they're put on what is called the extra board. And the extra board is you fill in whatever no one else is doing. For one to five years. One to five years. That's a long time. That is a long time. And the great thing about this is you don't even, like, you know, know multiple days in advance. You normally know one day in advance. You call the night before at 5 o'clock to get off the phone what you're doing the next day. You could be coming in at 6 a.m. You could be coming in at 3 in the afternoon because you only get to set a 14-hour window in which they're allowed to work you as much as they like. That's horrid. Jeez. And so this my friend, my friend Eleanor, who is a new bus driver at UTA, shout out to you, um, <laughs> is experiencing this firsthand because she just got called in like tomorrow. She's going to be doing ten hours and thirty minutes of bus driving, and it is her third day working at UTA isn't that as, like, as a licensed employee. Isn't that like Bowsers. pushing yeah. right up against the CDL limits? Yeah. Yes. Well, so and, and so here's the fun side note of that, right? I'm well being third day on the job, I'm almost certain that she does not know her route. Like, yeah, just doesn't, and, and you know, I, I don't begrudge her for that. You got no, she doesn't know that day. route. But, but let's talk about not only the, the effects of morale on drivers when that sort of event happens, let's talk about the perception of what happens when Eleanor, unfortunately, uh, misses a stop or misses a turn and some poor soul is sitting on the side of the road for an hour because of the headways Yeah. until the next bus comes around. Suddenly you've made a made a uh, rider more upset with the system. You've made a driver more stressed out um, and more likely to have to deal with behaviors when they inevitably come around in an hour to pick them up again. It is not a good system. So low retention is, believe it or not, bad for literally every business. Literally every business on earth. And then when you couple it especially with those that are so, so customer-oriented, so customer-facing, as a transit system is, there's not a whole lot of businesses that literally deal with the customer from 100% start to 100% end. But transit does. And so, especially bus drivers. Especially like, bus drivers. When you're riding a tracks train, it feels like 
and an animate object. They're kind of in a unit that's just... Yeah, and you're also kind of... It feels like you kind of have, like, a deal with the tracks train. Like, it shows up at this set time, and if Mm -hmm. you're there by then, you're set. I know, okay, I'll pay attention. It's been about 20 minutes. I know I should start wrapping my stuff up and get off the train. And it stops at every single stop every every time, so you don't really have to worry about it. But with the bus, you have to pay attention. You're like, oh, well, no one's on the bus, or the normal person that dings here didn't ding here. Well, I need to know to do that. And I I gotta make sure the bus sees me in the dark. And so... There are so many ripple effects from the driver shortage, um, from these sorts of programs, the and and that that it only compounds the problem. It only makes it worse. Um, and so, is it any surprise that UTA is struggling to keep drive, find and keep drivers? Other transit systems have started to figure this out. Other other transit systems across the country are like, oh, well, maybe we actually need to do things to find and keep drivers because the rest of the market has outpaced us. And we need to do something. Almost like driving a bus is a hard job or something. Almost. It's an extremely difficult and taxing job. And and I don't think a lot of people understand how difficult it truly is. It's I've never, just a 40-foot bus. You just hit gas, right? It's just a 40-foot bus with upwards of 40 souls in the back with crazy people all around you. Oh my you. goodness, the ski bus drivers going down the canyon at like 30 mm-hmm. or 40 miles an hour mm-hmm. with 90 people in their 40 foot metal tube, yeah. barely being able to negotiate turns. Absolutely, yeah. and so oh, so I, I had a bus driver the other day on the 17. Mm-hmm. He was trying to make the horrid corner <laughs> which is 15th East and Oh goodness. 17th I'm amused that they even try to run the bus on 15th that, that turn, it, I don't know how they even do it, honestly. He, he got stuck and he was like, oh my God. Yeah. You could tell he was stressed. Yeah, yeah. he's got time to make. That's an hour route. Yeah. It and took about five minutes to get around to, that corner. Yeah, yeah. to navigate I, that I felt anyway. so bad for him. But on the flip side, let's talk about a good driver. So unfortunately during change day this past go around, I lost my bus driver that I normally have. I know it sucked, but it was, so it was a flex route cause it's down in Draper. <laughs> <laughs> of course it was. Uh, of course it was. It was the 514. And then you get to know the drivers cause they're so infrequent and yeah. so short. <laughs> um, but that driver was awesome. And he was like, where do you work? Oh, I work here. Oh, great. I'm going to not actually stop at the stop. I'm going to stop at the light so that you can get out and cross safely. It is a flex bus. It is a flex bus. That is allowable to do, right? Um, But even if it's just those little things, those little positive interactions, just as those negative interactions have a very real effect, those positive ones too do too. And if UTA can start to recognize the sheer uh, value that good drivers provide, I think that they would start to have a different conversation because to them, I honestly get the impression that it's numbers on a spreadsheet and it's, we need to have X amount of people on this route, we need X amount here, and if we don't have enough, then okay, which routes do we cut? And that's their prerogative. They're running a massive system, but, well, it's not massive on national levels, but you know what I mean. It's massive it is on the West In levels. the West Coast, or on the West mm-hmm. side of the Mississippi, it's relatively large. So, I understand that it's numbers on a spreadsheet, but they need to realize that these are human beings interacting with human beings daily for 5, 10, 20, 30 minutes at a time, um, and that they are the front line. They are the face of UTA, and if they don't treat them well, they're not going to treat writers well. And if they're not treating writers well, you have fewer writers. If you have fewer writers, you have an even harder time getting people to use the system going forward. 
And even going back to the scheduling thing, like I'm sure anybody who's worked food service can attest to, you get your schedule for the week, you go, you, some, some days are just a complete grind mm-hmm. and you're just barely doing the basic greetings to all your customers, but the job's still getting done. Mm-hmm. But these bus drivers are having to deal with not even knowing when they're going to be working until it's too late to make other plans, which is the which, kind of the same issue that oh, the and, railroad workers have been running into, too. Which, and, and all of those things are bad enough. And then you add the extra insult of not paying them well enough. And is it any wonder, is it any wonder that we're having to do these route cuts and these route reductions? It's not no. that difficult to figure out. Um, and so to bring it all back, yes, we want free fare, but we want a system that actually functions. And the state needs to view UTA and other transit agencies as the public resource they are. So the state needs needs to give UTA, you know, enough money to improve service in terms of, like, you need to pay for operators and buses. Mm-hmm. And UTA internally needs to get their crap together mm-hmm. with actually having employees. Yes. <laughs> it's not that hard. You just have to be willing to do it. Yeah, if this were a pro- if this were Delta, if this, <laughs> no, I'm serious. If this were Delta, Delta famously will cut and cut and cut and cut and cut. Yeah, yeah. Of course they do, but they're never going to cut to the point where it sacrifices the ability to get a plane from one place to another. Hi, your flight's canceled because an operator quit because we've been overworking them for the past four months. Yeah, they are never going to reach that point, right? Uh, on a wide scale, right? You've seen, how, you've seen how much pilots get paid. Yeah, well, um, but. Delta has a vested interest in getting that airplane from Salt Lake to wherever, right? Mm -hmm. So they may, yeah, cut and do all these things, but they're never going to cut to the point where they're like, oh, I guess we can't do this route anymore. Sorry. Sorry. No, Delta wants to make money. Um, But for some reason, well, it's because UTA doesn't (laughs) rely on a profit. And so they just go, oh, well. And and that's what happens. We tried. You know, it's it's, we tried super hard by (laughs) not doing a whole lot. But that's the way that if, if UTA were truly being honest, it should be approaching this from a business standpoint. Um, I get their interest in not paying drivers any more than they have to. But if it's coming at the sp- expense of not even allowing routes to happen anymore, you're not doing your job. UTA is not doing their job on this one. Plain and simple. They need to figure it out. They need to come to an agreement with the drivers. And they need to do it two years ago. <laughs> Do I detect a, a hint of frustration? Um, not a hint. It is unacceptable. I understand canceling a route because no one is taking it. Okay, fine. If you have to. If you have to. I don't think you should, but if you, you have to. You could make to. the route better so people actually Improve want to take it. But this is <laughs> such an unforced error. This is an absolutely preventable problem that UTA went, oh, the pandemic happened so we don't need to worry about it. Yay! Yeah. Oh, no! No, People are coming true. back. Yeah, and it was... Look, I mean, we, we all remember 2020, and we all thought it was the end of the world, and that's fine. Mm. But the practical reality is we knew at some point we would start to build back. We didn't know if it would be now or in another two years, but we knew it was going to happen. And yet, UTA mostly sat on their laurels, and they just said... And they, they are forced to now be playing catch-up, even... Back late, uh, really the start of this year, when we started to see that maybe things will get back to reasonable levels. We're already at like what seventy percent of pre-pandemic somewhere around uh, there. How was it the most it, recent we numbers? We hit it in September. September always the most, which is impressive for the lack of effort. Yeah, I mean, think about that. We hit seventy percent with all these cuts that have been taking place. 
Imagine where we'd be at if we actually had service at the same level. Or improved it. Or improved it. Bed. Or improved it. So, yeah, if you say I had, uh, I pick up a sense of frustration with that, it's absolutely true. UTA did not do their job on this one. Yeah. And it's costing them. It's costing the writers. It's, cause, it's reducing morale, which only causes that problem to go worse. UTA is in the wrong on this one. They need to fix the problem, and they need to fix it two years ago. Excellent. And... With that, I know that you said to us before the episode started that uh, U-True has, or at least is developing, uh, kind of a vision for what y'all think, yes. or I guess Wall thinks. And <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll talk about that, too. Yeah, um, um, so you're developing something, I think you said, called Transit Imagine. Transit Imagine, Having yes. a vision, because UTA apparently can't. Yeah. Well, and I mean... They don't. There, There is no... I have seen the system-wide plan for 2050, and I am deeply unimpressed by its lack of scope and mm. its lack let, of vision. Let me guess. Improve bus stops and more BRT projects and maybe, uh, maybe one rail extension. Well, it used to be we were going to extend you know, tracks into the entirety of Utah County mm. and have like four lines there, but we're not going to do that anymore. We're yeah. going to maybe maybe, you know, double track front runner someday and we'll think about using hydrogen trains instead of <sighs> Yeah. I wanna see the ambition that was front lines. The well, I mean we made this twenty forty plan. We're doing it tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah, now so transit imagined, right? Um it is is initiative that we are starting up in the new year and there's a lot of work that goes into it. Don't expect anything right off the bat. But the long and the short of it is we want to take a true deep dive into what it looks like if we had a system that, A, everyone had at less than a fourth of a, a quarter of a mile from a bus stop at bare minimum. Everyone. Everyone in the Wasatch Front. So all two point, or 2.538 million people. Correct. Okay. So in Hooper and in Tooele. Correct. And, all right. Everyone. Everyone. Or like half mile from a rail stop sort of thing. Too. Well, yes. Well, so quarter mile from a bus stop. Um, half mile from a rail stop. Standard. Um, pretty standard stuff. Yeah. First of all, what does that look like? Second of all. Crap ton of buses. Crap ton of buses. <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> at maximum 15-minute headways during peak hours. That's the worst is 15-minute headways during peak hours. Yeah, and 30-minute uh, like off-peak. Instead, instead yeah. of the best headways we offer anywhere yes. except for UVX. Yes. <laughs> 30-minute headways during off-peak hours, 45 during like dead relatively late at night service that's overnight sec- service crazy 24/7 365 service because Sundays 24/7 365 service you couldn't service. do that in Utah County no it way. would cause the devil to erupt <laughs> we couldn't <laughs> run we couldn't run airport university overnight yeah. while they're doing freight hey, on the hey, corridor do something like that 24/7 365 um, and then ideally no more than 3 transfers from anywhere to, to anywhere, anywhere. So, for yeah, example, fair. if you're going from, I don't know, let's use Hooper again. Hooper to Eagle Mountain, that's no more than three transfers. No more than three transfers. Get on a bus from Hooper to regional rail or regional bus, and then... I mean, that's really what it is, is bus to regional route to bus to your final destination. That's with, really what it is. And then we're hedging with an extra transfer for some, like, weird corner cases. I mean, sure, but as a general statement, no more than three transfers to get to your location. That is the vision. That is that is the transit imagined. And we want to start looking at 
What does that actually mean? I would love to see the service map for this. I mean, it, uh, it's, you can it's, see my crayon. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it's blue. Like gonna, it's okay. just blue everywhere. You're gonna have to build some new underpasses under the freeways out on the west side to be yeah, able to actually. Yeah, no, run I mean, it's routes. not it's not easy, <laughs> and you know, we we it's not easy and it's not cheap. But um, what Utrue wants to really start looking at is providing this vision to communities, and say this is what you could have if you had the political will to make it so. Um, and and so what we want to do is present a plan to people and show them what that looks like and imagine what that would actually mean for your day-to-day activities. If you could reliably depend on a bus to show up at minimum every 15 minutes during peak hours, minimum. Um, <laughs> if you could, uh, more than 15 minutes. Yeah, no, obviously we want more and better, but let's we, we want to at least be somewhat realistic here. Um, and what does that mean to your life? How does that affect your life either directly because you are now able to use transit or indirectly because there are fewer cars on the road and it is easier to get around for whatever reason for what you're doing? Um, So that's the part one. Part two is we want to have citizen advocacy surrounding that. So going into those communities, talking about how you would actually fight for these plans. Who do you talk to? When do you talk about it? What do you say when you talk to this person? Um, we want to provide that citizen advocacy so that people have a plan and know who to talk to to make it a reality. And the third thing that we want to do uh, is have localized chapters to make sure that we are constantly staying on top of these issues. Mm-hmm. Which, Not by the by, <laughs> I want to, in my in my executive director powers, officially grant <laughs> unto the temporary status. Because it has to be approved by our board. Yeah, bah, bah, yeah, bah, yeah. Bah, 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 Temporary status is our inaugural uh, uh, chapter, our first chapter wow. uh, yeah. amongst you, True. And with that, I would like to um, announce as the you know interim, I guess, interim president of that chapter, um, if you go to the University of Utah, because we know you are out there, you are like one-third of our listener base. <laughs> um, <laughs> we know you're out there. If you go to the University of Utah... Please hit us up, and we will get you in here. We will. Westminster too. We will too. force you to go. Uh, yeah, Westminster too. Yes. We're, we're because we share almost all the same transportation. Sure. And I don't yeah. know, like Ensign College or yeah, whatever. Yeah, if, if you're in Salt Lake City, hey, and you're, you're going to college, if you use transit in Salt, if and you go to college in Salt Lake City, yeah, yeah. come to us. We're we're gonna do a whole bunch of stuff, and it's gonna be really great and really annoying to university <laughs> staff. So so come join us. Yes. We're gonna we're gonna advocate for like I don't know skateboard racks. Yeah, yeah, skateboard racks. That is, that is yeah. Listen, Half hour on the seventeenth. There you go. Ooh, and that's oh. the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Though. As a chapter, <laughs> and for others listening that are interested in starting a chapter, Ooh. for the most part, we give you that leeway. What does your area need? What does your community need? We have a list. It's several slides long. That's fine. <laughs> well, we do have a list. Um, <laughs> that's fine, right? Um, as long as it helps the core values of Utrue, basically making transit more gooder. Uh, <laughs> if it meets those goals, we will absolutely support you in as many ways as we possibly can. So you guys, for example, are getting a website. You, know, you can set up your Twitters, and we will provide names of other people in the area that are interested. And we will work with chapters to make sure that you guys are successful. Um, we will have ideas of things that we would propose, for example, like bus stop censuses, sensei. Censoses. Uh, yeah, that was actually something I was yeah. thinking about the other yeah. day. Bus stop censuses. And that goes beyond just like, there's a stop here. It's like, well, is there shade? 
Is it uh, asphalt or is it grass? Is it there's there a bench? Is it covered? Oh my goodness! Oh, let's talk to the people that are using this. Let's bus talk to the see system. what they think. OpenStreetMap, which is like crowdsourced mm-hmm. map data thing, has like a answer the questions app you can do. Mm. And if you click on a bus stop, it's like, is there a trash can? Is there a shelter? Trash is can. there a bench? Yeah. Is there a trash can? Is there a shelter? Is there a bench? There and you it's go. Depressing every time on most of them because <laughs> the answer is almost inevitably no. But so that's but so that's what UTrue is building towards is this transit imagined going into communities and building chapters to fight for those things and buying car repellent and illegally putting it on roads. So that's that is what we are shooting for. Is it ambitious? You're damn right it is. But that's the point. That is absolutely <laughs> the point because UDOT for really 80 years has been dictating what transit looks like in the state of Utah. And they've been able to have their big ideas, and a lot of them have come true. Now is the, well, the time was 30 years ago, 40, 50 years ago. Mm. But the second best time is right now. And we need to fight for these things, um, because if we don't, no one will, and it's just going to get worse for everyone. Excellent. Uh, I'm sold. Yeah, that's a a great way to... And the episode, um, and we will obviously be looking forward to working with you and yes. seeing what you know y'all come up with for for your transit imagine thing. Um, so thanks for coming on. Chris. Absolutely, really appreciate thank you for it. having it's me. It's always a pleasure to have you. I'm sure we will have you numerous. I'm, I, times. I'm always happy to talk into a microphone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So um, that's the episode for today. If you are listening on YouTube, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe. It helps boost engagement and get us seen by more people. Oh, did we remember to say our like one or two minor mi- wrong things in this episode so people can yell oh, at us in the yeah. comments? And if you're if you're going to go listen to the REM episode after this, yes, I'm aware that Rezo <laughs> is network and not railway. Thank you. Only 10 of you have commented that. Um, yeah, uh, and then if you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, or anything else, remember to follow and give a rating. That's helpful as well. Um, our patrons are at Frontrunner Double Track 90 Mile an Hour Speed Limit <laughs> uh, Tier, Zach Adams, $20. At Regular Frontrunner Tier, Hi guys! I contribute yeah, too. <laughs> yeah, Mike Christensen, who is not here today, we should have him on again. Yeah, um, Phobos2390, and for uh, Redline Tier? Yeah, $5 Redline Tier. We have Brian Smith, Christopher Whaley, Jacob Whitecotton, and Robert P. Walsh. And then at Blue Line Tier, or $3, excuse me, we have DJ Will Watkins. Hi, Will. Ethan McDonald, John Harrison Gorman, Martin Hecker Martinez, and Ben Busath. Thank you all. Yeah, thanks for paying us to do whatever the heck this is. We appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you too, Curtis. I'm happy to do it. You're paying for my Montreal trip. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. Now I need to bust it down. <laughs> <laughs> Can I put in a real quick plug for utrue.org? Please go yeah. visit us there. Yeah, make sure to follow them at, at RideUtrue on Twitter as well. <laughs> yes. And then I bet they have more interesting posts than at RideUTA. They do have more interesting posts. RideUTA's posts, posts are always bummers. They're always like, oh, we have to cancel Thursday. I have a friend yeah. who's trying to work <laughs> on that. W-Ram. Whereas we're like, here's a cool map. Yeah, you should. You should um, and then also you should follow us on Twitter at the red line underscore pod <laughs> <laughs> because there's another red line podcast and they, stole, no they stole my handle. Yeah. Yeah. Us, yeah. So um, and then you should also this is a new plug. Uh, follow my Substack at uh, Tracks Stack where I will be doing various. Uh, 
Posting ramblings from content. my own brain <laughs> that are not appropriate for the podcast. So that's insane. Yeah. Okay. Well, not appropriate as in like <laughs> as, as in like dark. you can't make it. <laughs> as in you can't make an episode out of them. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. That's all. Bye. <laughs>